At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare protect your dream home with american family insurance and you can weather any storm you'll also save up to 25 percent by bundling home auto and life American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome to the New York City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. A Friday show for you. Uh, I know we said we were done for the week, but look, Yankees, Red Sox, everything with Mitchell. I just, I had to come on here and at least preview the Yankees and the Red Sox. So we'll do that. Reed Wallach, uh, Bet Side, will come on. We'll talk about everything with the Knicks and Mitchell, where things stand with Durant. Uh, so we'll start here with the Yankees as they are in action. Mets are off. They are rained out. Doubleheader tomorrow at Wrigley. It's supposed to be the afternoon game today, but the Yankees and Red Sox play for the second time here uh, in a week, basically. They split the four-gamer last week. It is Montgomery versus Eovaldi, who is off the IL. He's been injured for a little while now. Yankees minus 160 at Bet Rivers. The total is eight. Uh, as far as a pick in this game, and we went 2-0 yesterday, so... Uh, it was good that we took the under of the first five because that game got out of control late. It was the, the over-under was eight yesterday as well, and it's 1-1 in the eighth. Loisinga comes in, gives up a bunch of runs. Yankees match. It goes back and forth, and the Reds end up beating the Yankees 7-6, to six, big underdogs, and win two out of three. And uh, Yankees have struggled here. I would actually take Boston plus a run and a half. You can lay minus 140 to take plus one and a half here. Um, and I just don't trust the Yankees right now. I think we're starting to see some of the flaws. They could definitely use another arm in the bullpen. They could definitely use an upgrade, whether that's Gallo, Kiner, Falefa. Both have been awful. You can definitely upgrade one of them. I would like to upgrade. Look, it's hard to get everything here because you want to add a bullpen piece, maybe you know one or two, at least one. You want to upgrade IKF. Well, I guess you could do that with the minors. You know whether it's getting Peraz out of the minors. Um, you know Volpe is in Double A, so I don't think they'd go that route. And you want to upgrade Gallo, and you have needs there. But you saw last night, uh, 
on the mound for the other team with Cincinnati, Castillo, who uh, I wouldn't say is a need. I don't think starting pitching is a need. But, boy, he's a guy who's been rumored to be on the Yankees, rumored to be linked to the Yankees as a guy they have interest in. That is a guy that might be the most impactful piece of anyone they would add. Because if you can add a guy like Castillo and throw him game two of a playoff series, you know, Cortez pitched pretty well last night, but he's come back down to earth his last, you know, six or seven starts. Cole's been really good. You don't worry about Cole, but uh, Severino now with the, I guess they're calling it a lat strain. He's only going to miss a couple starts. We've heard this before, though, where a guy's out, you know, he's just going to be out a couple weeks. Then it's a couple weeks more. Then it's a setback. And the next thing you know, we never see the guy again. So and especially with Severino, we've seen it where, you know, I think it was a couple years ago. He's supposed to come back in April. Was it 2019 he was supposed to come back in April? And before you know it, it's September, and then he comes back. And he actually pitched in the playoffs, pitched okay. It wasn't great. But you never know. You never know. And, you know, Montgomery's good. He's solid. He's good. He's not great. I have no problem giving Montgomery the ball in a big game. He's okay. He's good. He's better than okay. Uh, Tyone has been really bad lately. Severino hurt. So as much as you need a bat, as much as you need a reliever, Boy, if you can add a lockdown, just knockout starting pitcher like Castillo, who was incredible last night, throwing the ball 100 miles an hour, everything moved, everything cut, just dominant. You know, he, he enjoyed the stage. He was very theatrical on the mound. That might be the way to go here if you're the Yankees, where you add a, a big-time arm like that. The thing is, you know, the Reds are going to want Volpe or Dominguez or one of these big-time prospects. That hasn't been the Yankee way here. They've been very conservative lately, whether it's tr not trading prospects, very conservative, not spending money. The Yankees like to say, you know what, we tried, but it wasn't best for us. And, you know, they go about their business. Cole being the exception. They had to get Cole. Uh, that was a no-brainer. Now they spent a lot of money, but look, these guys cost a lot of money. Other than that, though, you know, look, the 2020 offseason, they did nothing. That winter, they did nothing. They brought in Kluber for, you know, $10 bucks, Gave them nothing. Uh, last winter, we know they did nothing. Bringing Kiner Falefa and Donaldson on a trade, you know, big deal. I mean, they improved the team. They got the defense a little better, but they haven't made that splash, whether it's in the winter, they haven't made that splash at the deadline. So I don't know that they'll make a leap and get somebody like Castillo, but boy, he would be a lights-out starter. And uh, we've been saying this whole time, the Yankees, the division's over, they're fine, their, their record's been great, they've been great, but they're definitely flaws. And like I said, they've lost four out of five now, uh, starting with the collapse last Saturday night in Boston. It's felt like the 2021 Yankees, where they lose last Saturday night, then they blow a 6-2 lead on Sunday. Blew the 3-0 lead against the Reds. The one game they won against the Reds, they should have lost. Now, they sh should have won the one uh, on Tuesday night where they're up 3 nothing. But uh, Yankees have struggled here. Yankees have shown some flaws. Gallo, obviously a disaster. Kiner Falefa is not a good shortstop at the major league level, especially on a good team. Carpenter's giving you a lot of offense, but you saw last night you put him in right field. And the Reds got their first run. A short little pop-up with the bases loaded. Carpenter who has no experience in right field still. You have to be better than Carpenter was because he catches it, like I said, you know, 50 feet into the outfield. N never should have run score on that. But he catches it, and he just holds the ball. He looks at second. He looks at third. Meanwhile, the guy at third sees Carpenter uncertain and just takes for takes off for home and scores. And I don't know if he would have, you know, if it was started off as a bluff and he was going to see what Carpenter did. I'm sure they know that Carpenter's inexperienced, so they, you know, were coached to the point where, hey, if Carpenter – gets the ball in his hands, be aggressive, take advantage of him. Let's see what he's got. And uh, that was just an inexcusable display by Carpenter that gets lost in the box score. If you're not watching the game, it's just it's a sack, fight, all right, run scores. But if you're watching the game, you realize that can't happen. That can't happen at the major league level. So, look, you, 
you got to give something to get something. You got to, you know, there's a trade-off there where he's going to give you more offense than Gallo. And right now they're both playing with Hicks being out. But that's the downside, especially a team built around pitching where, you know, you give up a run here or there. That's a big deal. Defense is a big deal as we've seen the difference between last year and this year. Their defense is much better. Carpenter sacrifices that. Now, he hits. He gets on base. He hits. He hits for power. He had a two-run bomb in the extra, in extra innings last night. It wasn't enough for the comeback, but... Uh, that's sort of the issue here with the Yankees. Gallo can't hit. Gallo's a disaster. Gallo needs to be off the team. I don't care. Florial. I mean, you can't just keep running them up there every night. It's not coming. The streak is not coming. Cashman was wrong. We were all wrong about Gallo. We thought he'd run into his 35, 40 homers in that lineup in that stadium. It's not happening. So uh, that's the scenario with the Yankees starting to show some flaws. They'll be fine. They're going to win the division. I still think they'll... Boy, it's going to be close for best record. I would think they would hold on for best record. There's still a long way to go between them and Houston. But I think it will come down to a Yankees-Astros ALCS at some point. You know, in October, they're going to have to beat Houston. You know, that five-game series in the division round is not going to be easy. Whoever they play, it's going to be – look, anybody's dangerous in a five-game series, whether it's Boston, Tampa, Toronto, Seattle. Uh, there's no gimmies in a five-game series. But the Yankees should be in good shape with Cole, home field, to win a five-game series and then set up what should be just an awesome – awesome series against the Astros. It'd be good for baseball, the rivalry, the bad blood. The Astros have beaten them now. Astros beat them. Astros knocked them out of the playoffs three times since 2015. 2015, the wild card game in Yankee Stadium. Then, of course, 2017 ALCS in seven and the 2019 ALCS in nine where Altuve hits the walk-off against Chapman. So the Yankees have lost to Houston. Uh, again, Yankee fans can say Astros were cheating. They were. Would that have changed things? I don't know, but I think that's where, what we're ultimately headed to, but the Yankees certainly need some repairs here, I would say. Uh, Yankees plus 400 at Bet Rivers to win the World Series, plus 180 to win the American League. Uh, obviously, the division is long gone. Minus 10,000 now. Boy, it was not that long ago. It was like a few weeks ago they were minus 300. I was like, you know what? It's expensive, but that's a good bet. And then it quickly went to minus 900, minus 1,500. Now it's minus 10,000. Uh, for the Yankees, so you got to risk ten thousand dollars to win a hundred. So uh, the odds are telling you a story there, where that that division's over, no matter how badly the Yankees play. Now, look, if if this thing loses and you got swept this weekend and you lost, you know, there's always a path. If you lose six or seven in a row, any then it becomes possible. But look, aliens could land on Earth, and you know the season would be canceled, something like that. I mean, that's the scenario we're dealing with the Yankees. The Yankees are going to win the division. So uh, plus four hundred, the short shots to win it all. Dodgers are plus 480, Astros plus 525. The Braves are now 7 to 1, Mets are 8 to 1, Brewers are 18 to 1 as well. Um Blue Jays 20 to 1, Red Sox 30 to 1. Boy, Red Sox I think were like 80 to 1 and we said, "You know what? Probably not going to happen, but that's worth a bet." Um let's see. Mariners still 75 to 1. If the playoffs started today, the Mariners would be in the playoffs. That Mariners to me is mispriced. Again, are they going to win it? Probably not, but that's just in terms of a number and just hey, you want to throw 50 bucks on something. The Mariners at 75 to 1 is not a terrible bet. Marlins, I feel the same way. 250 to 1. The Orioles, 250 to 1, who have a red hot win every day. Uh, so there's some value here. Now, again, are these bets going to cash? But probably not. But hey, 20 bucks, 50 bucks on some of these. And it's a lottery ticket. And it gives you something to root for. If they get to the playoffs, you can hedge and bet the other way. Um, there's some decent numbers here at Bet Rivers in terms of the futures. As far as the NBA. Boy, it looks like the Knicks are going to do it. it look, I, I get the feeling. You get the feeling it's going to get done at some point. It's basically, when you break it down, it's going to be Mitchell to the Knicks for about like eight or nine first-round picks, five first-round picks, 
and then one of either quickly or Toppin, maybe both, and then Grimes, and um, was it one other player? So it's like, look, all these guys that the, that Utah wants, Grimes, McBride, quickly. These guys were all picked in the first round very recently. So those are the equivalent to first-round picks. And then throwing in five first-rounders on top of it. To me, look, if I'm if I'm the Knicks, I know they're desperate. I know they're desperate. Trust me. I, I, I know how it goes with the Knicks. They want the shiny thing. I get it. Um, I would be very careful here about giving up all of this for Mitchell. I really would. I really would. It's another To me, it's another Carmelo situation where, you know what, you give all this to get him. And it defeats the purpose because you just traded everything that made your team good. So what's the point? Uh, and I'm just, look, I, I think it's very simple. I am not all about giving you everything I have for your not top 10 player. And Mitchell's a good player. He's an all-star. He's young. But he's a free agent in a couple years. If, if he wants to come here that badly, then let him come here in a couple years. Now you could say, you know what? Well, it's two years less we have him. He could change his mind. He could get traded somewhere else. That's all true. But... Uh, this idea that you just go all in for Donovan Mitchell and give up the equivalent of eight or nine first-round picks, the Knicks are probably going to do it. They're probably going to overpay for him. Uh, I would not. I definitely would not. I'd want him, but I'd want him at a price. To me, this you know five first-rounders, I mean, you're just giving up everything. You're giving up everything. And I guess you could say, you know what, he's going to come here. We're going to overpay for him. But you know now everyone's going to want to come to the Knicks, maybe. Who's everybody, though? Who's the next guy that's unhappy? I know it's the NBA, and there's usually someone, but... To me, just keep building organically. I know you're in no man's land here if you're the Knicks and you're impatient and you want to be good. But to me, uh, I would not do this for Mitchell. So we'll keep an eye on that. Coming up next, Reed Wallach on the Mitchell trade discussions, on the Durant trade discussions. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on some NBA awards, some futures, anything else he's betting. That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, BetRivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the BetRivers app or go to BetRivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21 or older, available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City Cast, BetRivers Sportsbook. He is back. Uh, from BetSided, it is Reed Wallach. We'll see how he is doing emotionally two weeks after Kevin Durant has requested a trade. We'll talk some Mitchell. Reed, what's up, man? How's it going? Uh, definitely better than the last time we spoke, Well, I definitely feel a little bit better. I won't say like 100% back to where I should be emotionally, but definitely on the, the mend after a, a tricky few weeks here. But yeah, everything's good. Summer's good. I got a little bit of a tan, if you could see. So I can't really complain overall. I just... I need this net stuff resolved so I can actually start moving on with my life and getting excited about the season. We'll get there in a minute. Uh, Mitchell and the Knicks, it's the hot story. I'm worried by the time we post this because I feel like it could happen any minute, any day, and who knows? It could drag on until next week or who knows what could happen. But uh, first of all, are the Knicks going to do this? It does seem that way. I think, you know, talking, obviously, I have a lot of Knicks fan friends in my life and everything and kind of laying out the thoughts I have it seems like the Knicks do have the best possible package for a Donovan Mitchell deal it's to me what stops it is if a Nets five-team deal of sorts comes into play like a big mega deal that gives everyone a headache or a particular prospect comes along whether it's 
Tyler Harrow that they that Danny Ainge and the Jazz value so much. That is what trumps a Knicks deal, in my opinion. I don't. I think that when push comes to shove, we saw a report come out. I believe it was what Wednesday night that they had discussed as like the focus destination. I think was the word Shams used. To me, that seemed like a bidding war type thing, more like the they're trying to up the offer. And then I saw this morning the Jazz were asking for six first and everyone, all the prospects but R.J. Barrett. It seems like the Jazz are just going to try and extract as much value as they possibly can from the Knicks. But I just think it's a matter of time. It's more when, not if. I think that ultimately a Knicks deal gets done. The, uh, the bigger question is, should the Knicks just splurge all their assets here to make this deal? I think there's merit to both sides. I ultimately think that the Knicks are going down this path already. They gave Jalen Brunson $100 million. They have Julius Randle, who's on already a minus, con- like a negative valued contract. If they could keep R.J. Barrett, they have a good team. You know, it's better than where they've been the past 20 years outside the mellow year. So can't fault them for trying, right? I think that, you know, they're just, they're buying at when prices for superstars are the highest, right? They're going to get fleeced. I mean, let's yeah, just face they're, it. They're going to get gonna fleeced. They're going to overpay for sure. Because you say six first-rounders, and all the players they're trading are first-rounders too recently. So it's basically eight or nine. Look, if I'm the Knicks, I get it. You can talk me into maybe this works. He's the first guy. You know, you get Mitchell in the door. Now you're an attraction for superstars. You're relevant again, maybe. I'm just – I look at it simple. I'm not giving you all of my stuff for your not top-10 player. Mm-hmm. The Lakers, the Clippers, the Bucks did this for, for Davis, for Holiday, for Paul George. But those were title teams with those deals. This is a team – I don't know. Maybe they get to a sixth seed with Mitchell – to me, I, I know you're not in a good you know position if you're the Knicks. You're maybe a playing team. I just I, I gotta hold out here and just not give up this much. Now there's a price for everything, uh, and I, I of course I'd be interested. He's a really good player, but to me this is just a massive overpay if some of these reported deals uh, are what comes to fruition. Yeah, I to me it is an overpay, and ultimately we're gonna get into the Nets, but also for the Jazz, the. Price for these superstars went up because of the Rudy Gobert deal. I mean, if that Gobert trade doesn't go through, we might be looking at Kevin Durant already on a different team at a different price. So, you know, this Gobert deal has really reset the bar. And like I said, the Knicks are coming into the market for trading for a superstar at probably the worst time, <laughs> you know, with with the prices going so high. Um, again, I think that the ceiling of this team, I've been calling it like Blazers East with Damon CJ, two undersized guards. You know, R.J. Barrett might pan out. I don't love the fit. I do like Mitchell a lot. I actually think he's kind of becoming underrated. But the fit of that roster, I mean, look at the, like, just look at the Knicks' big picture. Let's say they do keep R.J. Barrett. Let's say they run into Boston in the first round where they have guys like Tatum and Brown. They're just going to feast on Mitchell and Brunson. So I do think that they are trading into a pretty defined ceiling with not much room to go upwards. But look, like, this team wants to get good, and they're kind of going to go back to their old tricks. I do think Donovan Mitchell's worth a superstar trade. It just, again, they're paying a high premium right now. It's the perfect to- storm, too, because Ainge is a swindler, and the Knicks are desperate. Mm-hmm. You know, Leon Rose and this regime, they sold everybody that, hey, they were going to recruit superstars, and that didn't work out, whether it's Booker and, you know, the Suns getting better, so Booker's not in the picture. Towns, and T- Towns team got better, so the T-Wolves and, and, you know, Towns not in the picture. Uh, the Knicks are desperate to get a star. Leon Rose is desperate to get a star. 
Ainge is going to make you overpay. It's just kind of a perfect storm here for the Jazz. Jazz are going to really reload here. And I, that's why I don't buy, like, who else is involved? Because Tyler Hero, the Jazz don't want anybody that's good. This is a strategic package. They don't want anybody that's going to help them. They don't even want Barrett. They want to be bad. They want to get the French guy. And I think it's just a perfect storm here. Yeah, it, it does feel like the Knicks will end up getting him. Again, to me, the only way this Knicks-Jazz deal doesn't come to fruition is if um, a Durant deal escalates and the Jazz get involved in that for maybe a package they like more and they just don't want to change to the Knicks for whatever reason. Or if a prospect comes to the table, like if the Jazz hold Tyler Harrow in some regard, that I don't believe that's the case, but that to me is what kind of stops this eventual Knicks deal. And it does feel like it's been trending in this direction that the Knicks are going to kind of revert back to their old habits and, you know, start to push the envelope they want to get good. They're, they're getting a little tired of not even, I mean, it hasn't been that long since this Leon Rose regime has taken over, but it does feel like they're already trying to push the envelope probably faster than they should. You mentioned Durant. Where do you stand with it? I've been adamant he's going to stay. I just don't see a deal that makes sense. Like you mentioned, the Gobert thing throws the whole market out of whack. Where are you at with Durant? What team do you think he's on? I'll say Christmas, so I'll you know we'll avoid a cop out saying he's going to start the season with the Nets and then they could trade him. What team is he on Christmas? I I think it's the Nets now. I've become I probably a week ago. I mean I'm typically a pessimist with my teams to begin with. I don't like to. I try to stay as even keeled and think about the downside of things. So. I won't say I'm all the way back, but I've definitely, you know, become more aware that there's just no way that there's going to be a package that makes the Nets happy. To me, there's still a ways to go before this relationship is salvaged. I mean, to my knowledge and to it seems like everyone else's knowledge, there hasn't been a meeting between the two. There hasn't been really – there's been communication because they're working on a trade, but it feels like Durant – he wanted to go to Phoenix. Why Phoenix? That's a whole nother story. I have my own thoughts on the Suns, but you know, it just a market isn't there for Durant to make the Nets whole or not even whole, just 75%. I mean, a Suns package isn't getting there. The Heat package isn't getting there because you know Durant doesn't want to gut the roster he's going to. So I have kind of cozied up to the idea, not even cozied up. I've just be become to realize that, yeah, he's probably going to be on the team because there's no other option for him. A guy like this doesn't hit the market for a reason because you can't pay that price. And again, I owe an assist to the Minnesota Timberwolves because they drove the price up for Durant, so that helped. Um, but yeah, there's still a long way to go, though, because I saw this morning, a Nets dream scenario is Durant happy without Kyrie. Um, and then we saw Kyrie plans on playing for the Nets next season, if that's the team he's on. So to me, the Nets got to realize Durant wants to play with Kyrie. Everyone needs to put their egos aside. You know, I made the joke. I don't know if you've seen the other guys, but um, when they're standing there with, um, in the captain's office, he's like, this pissing contest is over. Like, you know, this, like it's over. Like the Nets' egos need to kind of separate themselves because the owners want to take control of the team. The players actually control the team more than anything. These two need to sit aside and say, hey, listen, we have a really good roster here that could contend for an NBA championship. Isn't that why you're here? Like, let's figure this out. To me, I have not seen that happen yet. So until that happens, I am not that confident that this is going to be resolved. But it is trending in that direction. Yeah. Plus, when you talk about Durant's leverage, I always say, you know, you got to satisfy three parties. You got to satisfy the Nets. You got to satisfy their trade partner, which wouldn't be that hard because you're getting Durant. Uh, and you have to satisfy KD. So he has some leverage. He can kill a deal. But he can't force a deal. He doesn't have the leverage to force a deal. Four years on his contract, what's he going to do? Be mad? Sit out? That's not his style. He loves basketball. 
What are you going to do, sit out the rest of your career? You don't have a lot of leverage here. If you're the Nets, you say, hey, I called the round. You're too great. None of these deals <laughs> make sense for you. Sort of play to his ego that way. Hey, it's hard for me to get fair value for you because you're so great. And just sort of play it that way. And uh, I'm with you. I think he stays 28 to 1 right now at Bet Rivers to win it all. Do you have any futures here on the Nets? Yeah, I mean, I obviously have, you know, dipped my toe in the market because I am like I do I would do that regardless. You know what I mean? Like as long like I have to be involved because that's the team I root for and I want to make some money on them. I wouldn't say it's like you gotta get in. This is a surefire thing. There's still a lot of issues with this team, you know, starts with Steve Nash being the coach. I'm not sure if that should scare people off of that. We don't really know about Ben Simmons. There's still questions, but roster wise, I mean the Nets are still a championship contender and you know it is trending towards Durant playing. So I wouldn't say this is like a you know, money making, like, oh my God, this, like, you got to get in. But, like, if you're building out a portfolio, this is the time to bet the Nets, probably, because if they trade Durant, they won't contend for a title. If they keep Durant, he's going to stay on the team. I will say, back to your point about leverage, though, the Nets have a lot more leverage than is being let on. I've been kind of hammering this point home. The Nets don't owe their pick to the Houston Rockets this season. This is the year of a swap. So, let's say the Nets do call Durant's bluff and say, you want to sit out, that's fine. Like, we're going to suck anyway. The Rockets aren't, like, leaping to the playoffs and are going to swap picks with the Nets. Both teams would then be in the lottery anyway. What happens to the pick? Who knows? But, like, either way, the Nets could say, all right, you want to tank your value. You want to sit out a year of your prime. Sure, we're going to suck anyway. We're not going to trade you. We're going to get a lottery pick anyway, and we'll go on that way. So I do think the Nets have a lot more leverage than it seems. Obviously, the disgruntled player doesn't help, but... The Nets, with just Durant, could say, if you want to sit out, that's fine. I don't think he's built like that. But that's just, I think, one of the more underrated um, selling points or talking points that it just isn't being discussed very much. And, like, I think that the Nets' leverage should kind of be brought up more. And I think, like you said, yeah, Durant is probably going to be back on the roster. I do think that something is going to have to give, though. If they have a meeting and say – all right, we'll put aside our differences. I think that Durant is going to say, okay, well then this needs to happen. Like, I'm not just going to walk back to you. You need to make some changes to appease me, whether that is fire Steve Nash or Sean Marks has to step down. I'm just like, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just like throwing out scenarios. I think that Durant is going to ask for something in return for his compliance. Yeah, there were some 40 to ones, 50 to ones. I know there were some 50 to ones on the Nets to win it all. And it's funny. I was sitting here all year last year. I'm sure you were saying the same thing where the Nets were destined for the playing game and they were still like seven to one, eight to one, like short shots to win the whole thing. I was like, this line makes no sense. I understand the talent and the upside, but just the math of having to win a play in round one, round two, round three, and then win the finals. Like it was such an off number. And now I go the other way. It's like, it's still an off number. It's, it's an off number the other way where look, this is just a proxy for Durant staying with the Nets, regardless of the issues with Simmons, with Nash. If you have a team yep. with Kevin Durant, assuming they keep Kyrie, whatever the issues are, it's a top five or six team. It's a wide open league. There's not a dominant team. It's just a, a proxy for saying Durant's going to stay with the Nets. I think 28 to one, not the best number, but it's still a great number and completely bettable. I think it's a great bet still. Yeah, if, if you're building out like a big, uh, big futures portfolio, you need to have the Nets in it just for this. It doesn't have to be your biggest bet. You know, you don't have to, you know, five times this. You just, it's merely you, if you're building it out and you're taking like the Celtics, the Bucks, you should probably also take the Nets as a sprinkle just to have your bases covered. Cause like you said, okay, you lose, you know, your half unit bet on the Nets if Durant goes, whatever, you took the shot. But if Durant's gonna play, the Nets are gonna be, I believe they were what, like in that seven to nine to one range before all of this obviously boiled over. So, you know, you're getting, you know, 
double the price more than that just on a half unit bet just again this is like i guess informed sports betting you know if you're just building out a big portfolio that's what you should be doing I mean, Toronto has moved now. They're twenty-five to one. I would say, hey, take a little sprinkle on Toronto just in case he goes there. But twenty-five to one—that's almost building in a Durant move. I don't know if I love that anymore. There, there were like double the numbers out there available. There was from fifty to ones. I know in Toronto, fifty-five to one. Pelicans forty to one. I don't know. Are there any other teams? Let's put it this way: What other packages do Nets fans even entice you? Does the Aiton Bridges picks package do anything for you? What other package? Ingram plus picks. What what excites you if you're a Nets fan? It's hard to find something that's really fair for the Nets. Well, so I'm of the belief I don't want Kevin Durant to be traded, so nothing necessarily like makes me excited. But my number one package remains the Pelicans package of Brandon Ingram and a bunch of picks, Herb Jones, Larry Nance. That's my number one. I would take that. Doesn't seem like the Pelicans are all that interested. Doesn't seem like the Raptors really believe they could contend and they don't want to give up. Like, if they get Durant, they could really be the overwhelming favorites or something, so they're reluctant to give up Scotty Barnes. Um if we're talking futures, though, I think that something interesting is happening in the Western Conference where the Suns have almost completely fumbled this entire offseason. They now can't trade for Ke- DeAndre Aiden. His use as a trade piece is now kind of dumbed down completely. He can't be traded until January. He could veto any right. trade he wants. He can't go to a team with cap space like the Pacers um for another year so the Suns have kind of completely fumbled this whole thing I think that the Suns are a very very vulnerable top team in the West um my look I've been hammering home this point the entire offseason I think out of the Western Conference the Denver Nuggets are in my opinion the best bet to come out of the West and I think at the numbers they're at I don't have the odds up in front of me but they are my 21 what, 20 to 1? 20 to 1 is a good number. Yeah. You have the two-time MVP in Nikola Jokic. You have a presumably healthy, at least Jamal Murray, and you assume Michael Porter Jr. as well. I love what they've done around the margins to get some wings in there to help uh, Nikola oh. Jokic. Bruce Brown is fantastic in his role. One of the best as a cutter. Um, great defender. He's a little undersized, but he's, he can play on a playoff team. He's done it before. Contavious Caldwell Pope. Um, I just think that the Nuggets have really, really done well around the margins, around Jokic. And they're presumably going to get better health. And I look at the Suns. That is not a title contending team as currently constructed. Maybe there is a move in there, but DeAndre Aiden is still on this team. They almost have seemingly burned that bridge. You know, if we say Durant and Irving are burned, I don't, I mean, they said it was internal when they benched him in game seven. They, you know, the reports, they didn't think he was a max player. Well, now he's staying. So we'll see how that all goes. Chris Paul could go at any moment. You know, his talent, you know, he's getting up there in age. So, the Warriors, of course, are the rightful favorites, but I think the Nuggets, if we're talking just betting value, that is my favorite look, obviously, outside of the Nets. And also, I think the East is just better than the West at the top right now. Totally agree on the Nuggets. They're pretty much as good as anyone. I worry a little bit. Their three best players are all minuses on defense. That's usually not a recipe to win. Like Jokic, I know some of the numbers say he's pretty good on defense. I don't know. He's, he's still, to me, he's a minus defender. Mm-hmm. He's more of a DH. He's okay. He tries on defense. But same thing with Murray, with Porter, where they're just they're a little weak defensively. But look, all, we're going to have a situation. All these teams are flawed. I know the Warriors are really good, but it's not that league. It's not the type of league where 100%. you have that dominant team where there's the, yeah there's uh, there's just a bunch of – there's like six, eight, ten teams that are all bunched up that could uh, that could win it. Any other bets you've made in terms of futures? you got Rookie of the Year up, MVP up. Uh, most improved player, anything sort of get you excited here in terms of the futures? Nothing. I'm currently in like big uh, college football prep mode. So that's kind of taken up most of my headspace. Rookie of the year, though, I look just after the draft, 
Um, obviously, Paolo is going to be the rightful favorite, in my opinion. But Benedict Matherin, I mean, the Pacers, like they it. just lost. You know, they were about to get a number one option in Aiden. Now he's gone. If we're looking at, like, the pedigree of a rookie of the year bet, it's typically a top 10 pick and a guy that could put up counting stats. Like, team success doesn't have much to do with it. Usage, I, yeah. I think there's going to be a ton of opportunities for Benedict Matherin to, like, average in the high teens, average 20 a game. And obviously, Paolo is probably going to win. He's the rightful favorite. But, like, compared to, you know, Holmgren and Jabari Smith, I think they there might be a lot of mouths to feed there. Jaden Ivey's next to Cade Cunningham. Matherin went six in the draft. I love his game. I love him as a pro. So uh, I think he was in the double digits, right? I saw 12 to one, maybe closer 12 to, to one. Yeah, 12 to one to me. Matherin is like my long shot bet to kind of go against Paolo, in my opinion. Yeah, because if you're betting this now, I mean, even if your bet cashes, doesn't cash to what, next May, next June, you don't really yeah. want to tie up your money for something that's three to one, four to one. If it wins, it's a good bet and you make it. But uh, I agree. If you're going to bet this now, take a shot. I even looked at, I haven't seen much of him, but I've heard Sharp is a really good player. Makes every shot 25 to 1. Do you know anything about Sharp? Yeah, I, I didn't. He's like the man of mystery. Mike Schmitz hired from ESPN to be the assistant GM. So, like, and he, like, it was reported the Blazer were tied to him the entire time. So maybe Schmitz sees something and he's a sharp ass one mine, but like, sharp pun intended there. But, uh, Next to Dame Lillard, Jeremy Grant. I just don't know if the touches are going to be there for him to put up rookie of the year-like numbers. And I think it's reflected in the market. I mean, he played like five minutes of summer league and he hurt his shoulder. So, I don't know. I'm not sold all the way on Shaden Sharp. I got to see it before I believe it. But like Matherin, that guy's a gamer. <laughs> you know, he showed it in summer league too. So, I, he, I'm going to have a ticket on him come the time of the season. Just scrolling through the odds here at Bet Rivers for the Futures. How about if you think Durant's going to stay... Nets have a big season. You know, they go, I don't know, they win 55 games. And you know how these awards are all about stories. How about Steve Nash, Coach of the Year, 30-1? to 1? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm I, telling you, I don't even know if he's People aren't looking at X's and O's, though. People aren't looking at X's and O's, and he ran this set or ran that set, and, it, you know, his offense is stagnant. People are just, they like the story and the fact that, you know, he kept everything together. I'm just painting the picture here that they but, have a good season. They keep Durant. You're not buying it. I'm not buying it, especially because, like, to me, coach of the year, you either need to have, like, the best record by a, by a wide margin or you need to significantly overachieve your expectation. The Nets expect, like, their win total, if they all come back, will be in, what, the, you know, 53 range, something like that. Right. Like, So they're going to have to win, like, at least 60 games. And, like, well, I think they have the roster to do, especially in the regular season. I just think that – I think the storyline is more going to be around – the, the dark cloud hanging over the Nets rather than like, oh, look at what Steve Nash did. He really got the best out of him. Like, I don't know. I think the Celtics, like this could be a delayed um, Udoka, um, you know, honoring after last season, stuff like that. I just, and like, there's so many good young teams. I feel like you could see, you know, I don't know, just Nash. Cause everyone knows, like the book's out on Nash. <laughs> you know, they all know he doesn't really have it. So we'll see. I'm going to bet it. It's going to win. I'm not going to give you any of the money. <laughs> okay. that's Listen, I hope Steve Nash wins Coach of the Year because that means that the Nets did something right. So I do agree with you. If you're betting it, that's fine. I'm not going to bet it. My emotional stake is enough. Yeah, it's just I think these awards are about stories. And if I could see a scenario where they keep him, they're really good. And then, you know, these things turn where, oh, Nash, people, he got too much crap. He held it together. I don't love it. But at 30 to 1, I think it's interesting. Yeah, it's 30 to 1. Durant. 
Uh, I mean, who else could win this? It's, like you said, it's usually the team that it's the team that overachieves their win total by the most is usually the guy. Although, who won it last year? The Suns coach won it last year. Monty Williams won it, right? Was it Mo- Monty or Taylor Jenkins? I thought Monty Williams. I think it was Monty Williams. Two years ago, it was Thibodeau, right? And then last year, I think it was I'm pulling it, it up Williams. as you talk. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Monty won it this year. You're right, because they were so far above everyone else record-wise. Yeah, and coach of the it, year is interesting. And it was Belichick the year before. Wins. Yeah, there's no real rhyme or reason to coach of the year. It's typically a narrative-driven story. So you're right on the narrative. I just don't know if the Nets, especially with all the good young teams nowadays, like, what's a Mosley from the Magic? Ooh, that's a good one. I had Steve Cerruti on yesterday, and he's high on the Magic, and I think they could compete for a play-in spot. That's the thing. You're going to have to make the playoffs probably. So if you like one of these teams and they lose in the play-in, um, what, again, when do they vote on these awards? Probably right around then. So that's an interesting one. As I, I like the Magic most. Young Core a lot. They're like one of my favorite I do too. teams moving forward. They're a good 50 team. 50-1. to one. That's not bad. That's he's not 50 bad. 50-1. To to Mosley. Like that's what you got to look at those teams that are – projected towards the bottom but could take a step forward in a big way and they get a guy like Paolo also who rookie of the year favorite obviously number one pick uh you know I I could see a case for Mosley being in the mix especially early in the year and you could start like if you're building it out I think Mosley's like a worthy long shot of 50 to 1 yeah that is that actually is a good one I like that a lot one that, that's that, I like that good uh anything else you're betting are you betting summer league no, I did one bet because uh, we had to do like a quick hit video like for social. So I bet one and it hit on like a crazy beat or whatever. I had the Mavs plus two. They lost by one. It was crazy. So I was like, yep, that's it. I'm done. Wipe my hands clean. Let's, let's get out of here. Did you watch any of it or no? Yeah, I watch the Nets. I watch a little bit, you know, here and there when it's on TV. But like, you know, we're needing David Duke Mets- Jr. What's up? David Duke Jr. Yeah, Shaden Sharp or Shaden Sharp. Dayron Sharp looks good. Uh, hopefully, he could crack the rotation. So I watch the Nets, but like it's not like top of mind or anything like that because it's like glorified pickup. I'd rather watch like a Mets game or you know do like my college football prep. Are you a Mets fan? Yeah, big Mets fan. How are you feeling about them? Big, I, I big feel two good. out of three. I got people hitting the panic button like, oh, here we go oh. again. Like this is not a typical Mets meltdown. You can't help that the Braves are rattling off like 27 to 35 or whatever. Like, what are you going to do? Like the Mets are what two games behind the Dodgers for the best record in the NL. Like all you could do is play the games in front of you. And the Mets have done all that. And then they beat the, they took two or three from the Braves. So long way to go, but I feel optimistic. Scherzer looks good and DeGrom should be back right after the break. So I'm not super concerned. Huge two out of three, huge for Scherzer to win, especially because the pitching matchups were not favorable Tuesday, Mm -hmm. Wednesday, so if you lost Monday with Scherzer, you say, man, we could walk out of this building in second place Yeah. if Scherzer loses because we could definitely lose Tuesday and Wednesday. But Scherzer pitched an incredible game Monday. Then they get the split. Bassett pitched well. They actually could have won all three games. Uh, Peterson pitched the, the Peterson pitched well. What was it Wednesday where he had uh, Swanson struck out. They call it a ball. Next guy hits a home run and game kind of unraveled for there. But, yeah, to me this Mets team's different. They have a little – they have some guts. They come back in games. Whether it's, you know, they lose two in a row. These these losing streaks don't fester. It's uh, definitely a different vibe for the Mets. Dating back to really when they signed Scherzer in Thanksgiving. I think the new ownership, Buck, Scherzer, definitely a, a different feel with this Mets team. No, 100%. I'm I'm very optimistic about the Mets' chances. I, I do think, though, they have to get aggressive at the deadline. I also think they definitely are going to be. Pro- probably could use another re- uh, relief arm, but definitely a bottom-of-the-order bat, I think, is probably the number one option um alvarez the catcher i imagine will also be up by for the stretch run because our catching is just a bit the hitting is just abysmal but they need some sort of bad i know uh josh bell is kind of who 
myself and like my Mets uh, group chats have kind of decided as like the consensus that's our power hitter. We kind of need Josh Bell, but we'll see. I'm listen. Just keep holding off the Braves. They're, they're gonna cool off eventually, right? I mean, they gotta have some sort of yeah. slump eventually in them. So hopefully the Mets, you know, they can wrap up this division. Seems like the Braves play the Nationals every, every single day. day. Every it's day unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Nelson Cruz, Bell, CJ Crone. Uh, definitely could use a bat. Definitely could use a bullpen guy. I actually saw Alvarez play in person. I went to watch Scherzer pitch in Hartford, his last rehab start, and Alvarez hit a home run literally out of the stadium. It went over both fences onto the street. I mean, he he has some monster power, and he's yeah, already well, up to AAA. Well, I think well. he's going to be a good player. Can't hurt. We're in a, we're in a pennant race. you got to call all hands on deck. What is he, 19 or 20? He's young, right? Yeah, he was just ranked the number one prospect in baseball, one or two. But, yeah, I mean, he's lights out. And, I mean, as a catcher to have that kind of pop, I mean, yeah. insane. Reed, appreciate it, man. Let everyone know where they can find your work, what you got coming up, uh, BetSided, what else? Yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wallach. Uh, follow BetSided, at BetSided. Check out our YouTube page. We have a daily show, daily bet slip. Uh Four or five Eastern, Monday through Friday. We're giving out best bets every night, talking all different kinds of sports. And then I'm in full, like I've said, college football prep mode. I have win totals out on the site, uh, betsided.com. Ton of futures work. So make sure you're checking all that out and follow me on Twitter. I'll be, you know, plugging all those stuff. Ohio State's going to be pretty damn good, huh? Pretty, pretty damn good. All right, Reed. Appreciate it. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, man.